Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, welcome back to the Gospel for Life. Special guest host today, Ryan Hemphill from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. I got it right this time. Yes, you did. Congratulations. Yeah, and we have the Thanks other normal me. dudes in the studio, Pastor Jonathan, Pastor Phil. Good to see you guys. Good morning. We're very Gosh. glad to be here. Is it okay if I call you dudes? Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> all right, well, um, it, we are about two weeks away from the Reformation Boise Conference. Super excited about it. Dr. Joel Beakey, Dr. Derek Thomas. The subject this year is O Church Arise. Um, so in preparation for the conference, we're going to be talking about the church. And I just got to say, if you've not registered yet, you can go to ReformationBoise.com. We've been seeing the numbers. This could be the biggest conference that we've ever had, which would be pretty cool. Yeah, even I have registered. Well, that's a Christmas yeah, wow. miracle in and of yeah. itself. <laughs> Have you registered, Ryan? I did. I think I was probably like the fifth. He was. Person. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's really early on the list. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> we I tried didn't get the first spot. We tried to space ourselves out. We tried to space ourselves out. You know. So. Did you register? I have. Okay. Good. Yeah. Just reminding everybody, I was the first one. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, let's talk about the church, and let's just start with kind of what the scripture says. How does the scripture define the church? Uh, well, the scripture has uh, a number of images for the church. Um, the, the Greek word for church is ekklesia, uh, which means uh, literally called out. And the New Testament has a number of different images uh, for the church. The body of Christ, the bride of Christ, people of God. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, this this idea of of the church being called out and it's not just something, you know, in in Greek the ecclesia or ecclesia. It's not just New Testament. Yeah. Because uh when the the Old Testament was uh translated into Greek, the Hebrew word kahal, which meant assembly, applied to the same thing. So when uh, the church is called, it's an assembly of people that come together yeah. as God's people. And uh, this was this is the common usage of it. You're called out of this world into an assembly. Um, it was a general word you, used for a number of things. It could be used for but, political assemblies. But, yeah, mm-hmm. but it it takes on religious and specific connotation mm-hmm. when we're referring to the church and the way that Christ used it. You know, he he talks about uh, you know that he's going to build his church. You know, building a church is not simply, you know, it's not calling them to a, a meeting. It is, it has a, a body, um, a, a reference to an assembly of people that are gathered together for like purpose. Yeah. All right. So the church didn't begin in the New Testament. 
when Stephen is preaching um, in Acts chapter 7, he's reviewing the whole Old Testament in front of the Jews. And he says, Mo- this Moses was with the congregation in the wilderness. And, and, you and the Greek word is, uh, ecclesia. is, ecclesia yep. is, yep. is that congregation. Right. Mm-hmm. So let's make some categories. Um, the reason we say that, it's an important for us to understand that um, God has one people of God, whether it was Old right. Testament, New Testament. So, you know, while the while one we're talking language differences <laughs> between Hebrew and Greek, but there is one people of God. Yeah. And the, and the right. church began to have real form, you know, in the in the New Testament, uh, you know, with the, you know, foundation of the apostles. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, it's, I, it, I, oh, go, ahead. go ahead. Oh. Uh just yeah, along those lines, it's we can think today and a lot some people do that the church is like something new almost like plan B where uh-huh. God's original plan didn't work. So here's number two, but yeah, I, I like to refer when we talk about the people of old, you know, the church of the old Testament and just make that connection clear that this is one people and God's church begins way back then and continues on with Adam. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yep. The, when I was a kid uh, growing up in church every year at Pentecost, uh, we would have a birthday cake for the church. And we would say, Pentecost is the birthday of the church. It was only when I got, got older and studied the Bible m- more carefully and uh, learned f- from good teachers. Uh, well, uh, John Calvin said uh, that the church uh, really begins with Abraham. And with, with the covenant that God made with Abraham, saying, I will make of you a, a great people, yeah. and you will be my people, and I will be your God. And you could even go back uh, further than that. You know, <laughs> well, you 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 have these uh, crises moment. You know, I shouldn't say crises, but you have these high points uh, in studying the church, whether it's Pentecost or with it, whether it's with Abraham and the covenant or whether it originates with Adam and Eve, the first people of God, and right. the, the first that are called to, to love and serve him. Yeah. You know, so you have these, you, you, you see different points. It's almost like a revival at different places uh-huh. throughout the Old Testament. Yeah. So l- let's make some buckets for our listeners. Let's like imagine it's several buckets in front of us because the New Testament uh, uses the word church in different ways and nuanced ways, right? So th- at least three out of four of us here on the table are, are Westminster folk. So uh, the, the Westminster Confession of Faith uses the language of invisible church and visible church. So what is the, what's that bucket labeled invisible church? What does that mean? I think a, one good way to illustrate it would be from the Old Testament and the church in its early days and the family of the patriarchs and you know, Abraham and then you have Isaac and then Jacob and you know Isaac's two sons, Jacob and Esau. Esau was a part of the visible church. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was born into that covenant home, that covenant household. He took part in their worship. Same thing happened with Ishmael, with Abraham, a part of the visible church. So we, the visible church is one where what we see from the outside. Mm-hmm. But Jesus also taught that the kingdom of God, the church, is, is like a, field, a wheat field where you have wheat and weeds, tares. And um, there are those who are in the visible church, but they're, 
there for show only, whatever the reasons may for be. For burial purposes only. For burial purposes F-B-P-O. only. <laughs> yeah. um, but then in the church, God does have his people. And I think an important question we need to ask when we think about this, we can begin to question, like, well, am I a part of the visible church or am I part of the invisible church? And in, I, I think we need to focus on what God promises when we ask those questions. And mm-hmm. God promises when we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we are saved. Yeah. We are part of that invisible church. Yeah. And uh, those are his promises, not not based on our feelings. Yeah, when we go back to the Old Testament, you know, when um, the people were delivered from Egypt and they went out, they went out from Egypt, a mixed multitude. Yeah. And that mixed multitude were were some who truly believed and some who were along for the ride. Uh, but but there get, was also Egyptians. That's part yeah, of the yeah, language, yeah. too. There were Egyptians right. yeah. that went out with Israelites. Right. And another example would be Elijah, you know, when he's having his woe-is-me experience yeah. and I'm wanting the only God one. to I'm the only one. destroy him. And God says, I've reserved 7,000 yeah. souls who have not so, bowed their knees. So Westminster, the invisible church, consists of the whole number of the elect that have been, are, or shall be gathered into one under Christ, the head thereof, and is the spouse, the body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. So the invisible church is the whole number of the elect from Adam until the end of time. So in contrast then, the visible church is the the those who profess the true religion, uh, Christ, um, and their children. And that, that part is very distinctive in, in reform circles and their children. Why, why is actually that kind of important to affirm in this definition of the church? Well, first of all, it's, it's part of the promise. You know, right. the promise. You know, the promise that's in the Old Testament, I will be your God and you will be my people. He's referring not just simply to individuals, but to families. And in fact, you go through the Old Testament, it is families that are included into that covenant. You go to the New Testament at Pentecost, you know, one of those uh, special high points of the church, and Peter's preaching there, and he's telling them about the promise, and the promise shall be to you and to your children and to all those who are far off. So into the covenant family, you know, whether it's, you know, you've got Jacob and Esau, you know, you you, you have, you'll end up with covenant breakers, Mm -hmm. but they're part of that, they have received the promise yeah. that if they will trust in Christ, yeah. God will be their God. Yeah. And 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 so on a pastoral level, I think that this this uh definition, this is why I brought it up. This is why sure. I think it's so important because so many evangelicals out there today, you know, the one of the biggest fears for uh, Christian parents is does God really love my children? Are mm-hmm. my children Will they be saved? Uh, will they be saved? And the, when we when we talk about uh, believers and their children, the answer is yes. God really does love your mm-hmm. children because He extends these promises to Him to them. Unlike uh, the children of the world, the, the children of believers are set apart in a distinct way mm-hmm. um, than the children of the world. And so the answer is yes. God really does love your children. It's amazing that God's election works through families. I mean, mm-hmm. and we're not saying that every child born in a Christian family is going to be a believer because, as we said, there are those covenant breakers. There are within that family, you know, uh, Jacob I loved and Esau, you know, you know, and, and not Esau. He's, he, Jacob is chosen by God. But generally speaking, 
you know, we can say uh-huh. this is a general promise that God is going to call our children. And then we, we have the responsibility of discipling them. Yeah. So mm-hmm. a, a, a child born into a home is not necessarily evangelized. They are discipled yeah. into the understanding of who God is and what God's promised to them. If they'll believe. Okay, yeah. real, real quickly, but before we end, so invisible church, all the elect, visible church, those who profess, and their children, particular churches or local churches. It's the last category. So local church, and this is what I think a lot of people think of when they think of the word church. A local church. How is that? How does the New Testament define a local church? Well, the you know there there was you know you look at Corinth you know or. Uh, uh, there, there were house churches as well as the um, the church at Corinth. You go through all the the New Testament. There are different local churches that are mentioned. You know, so they are the representative body of that visible church in in a particular location. The church doesn't. The church universal doesn't have location. The church visible will have locations. So the local church is going to have its own officers. Mm-hmm. So elders and deacons, it's going to practice the ordinances or the sacraments of baptism and it's Lord's Supper. It's going to have a membership. It's going to have a membership. It's going to well, be exercise defined. discipline, right? Needed and 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 you see these expressions of the local churches all throughout the New Testament. The letter to X Y Z, the seven, the seven, the seven letters. In, yep, in yep. Revelation. Yep. So. All right, so um, we're talking about the church because coming up October 21st and 22nd is Reformation Boise O Church Arise, Dr. Joel Beakey, Dr. Derek Thomas. We hope that uh, you can make it. It looks like this might be the biggest conference that we've had. Uh, If you go to reformationboise.com, you can register for free. Uh, There'll be lots of great books at deeply discounted prices, great fellowship with multiple churches around the Treasure Valley, and we will be able to worship the triune to God together. So hopefully we'll see you there, reformationboise.com. 